Hello everyone, today is April 25th, and if it's Sunday, then this is The Delve. The pandemic has been tough on all of us. There's, there's been so many layers and pressures involved. Financial, physical, mental. Now, imagine you have to care for another human being. A smaller, younger one. Imagine you were a parent. In America, there are 64 million people living with children under 18. Recent research has found that the pandemic has been particularly tough on parents as they try to navigate this new, uncertain normal. Imagine you're a waitress or a construction worker, and then boom, pandemic. Your restaurant closes, your construction site shuts down. Then you're at home, and now you're a homeschool teacher. I'm not a parent yet, and I really can't imagine these struggles, but I received a little bit of help uh, from my guest. Today I speak with Professor Laurel Elder from Hartwick College, and Professor Stephen Green from North Carolina State University to discuss their research on the ways COVID-19 has been extra hard on American parents. Take a listen. Floral and Stephen, thank you so much for coming on the Dell. We really, really appreciate it. How, how are you two doing today? Great. Happy to be on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, agreed. Always ex- excited to be able to talk about our research. Thank you. Definitely. I, I, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourselves and and the research that you do. Well, this is Laurel. I'll start out. Um, I am a professor of political science at Hartwick College in New York. And Steve and I actually went to grad school together back at the Ohio State University, where we got our PhDs in political science. And soon after that, so almost 20 years ago, we started working on parenthood and looking at how becoming a parent and raising children affects people's politics and how elected officials and the parties talk about parenthood in the family. And so we've been working together on topics like this for close to 20 years. And what's interesting, I think, is that um, over the time that we've been researching this, when we started, Steve had one child and I had none. And now Steve has four kids and I have one. So while we've been researching this um, as political scientists, we've also been living the reality of parenthood as well. And that holds true with our latest research, which is about what it's been like to be a parent during COVID. I'll uh, just add that, um, you know, what's what's been very exciting about this present research, and it's it is it has been, um, shall we say, a, a professional thrill to do all this research with Laurel for for again almost twenty years. Um, like a lot of people, I'm pretty obsessed with COVID, and uh, and and at first it was just, shall we say, a, a personal obsession of of learning everything I can, and and I like to joke that I'm a um, an expert armchair epidemiologist. But then when I realized we could actually tie this in with our ongoing research about parenthood and politics and, and do uh, a focus on how uh, COVID has been affecting parents in particular, which again, um, certainly Laurel and I have very much experienced and discussed. Uh, that was really um, exciting uh, to be able to, to do this. I think 
parenting probably in normal times is a very difficult undertaking and then to have this new factor of COVID come in where you're now dealing with a pandemic and it's it's intense so I want to start this off with a little bit of a timeline um, your kids are in school February 2020 COVID becomes a major thing by March 2020 what changes? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, what do I want to, and like people make fun of me for still being like a Facebook type person. But one of the, re- one of the reasons I love it is the kind of personal diary of it, of the, of the on this day that Facebook gives you, like what was going on in my life exactly one year ago today. Oh, right, right. Um, and right to see that and to think that um, you know, that, that first going back to last March, uh, just, man, the, the uncertainty, the not knowing what we were dealing with. Um, I think that was like, what is safe? What is not safe? And, and I think a lot of people still feel that way, honestly, but we have so much clearer ideas on that now. And, and, you know, thinking back to how we were living our lives, what was safe, what was not safe. And, and again, you know, when we, when those kids, they said, okay, your kids are not, in my case, your kids are not coming back to school till after spring break or whatnot. But then of a spring break and they're like, well, your kids are not coming back. Never. Um, you know, that 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 um, last spring of, of what was going on with education and what our kids were going to learn or not learn and, and making that pivot to online education kind of from out of the blue, from out of nowhere was uh, extremely stressful. And, um, you know, in, in my family, at least we've adapted to it uh, very well in the past year. Uh, so to kind of like be reminded of like, wow, that was really tough. Oh, and also my kids kind of learned nothing, which was not great. Yeah, I was going to um, mention that if you go back to, like you said, February of 2020, where were parents at that time? And what Steve and my our research had had looked at and was sort of premised on was that parenthood was already really challenging over the past um, half century you had huge changes, Um, women working, um, moving into the workforce. So it used to be a minority of women and a minority of mothers were working. And now we have over 70% of mothers, even mothers of young children who are working. And what's interesting is that the Bureau of Labor Statistics publishes these really detailed time use studies. And what they're finding is that mothers and fathers today are spending more quality time with their children than decades ago. So even though both mothers and fathers are usually working, they're also spending more quality time with their kids. And I'm pretty sure parents have always been interested in being good parents and, and taking, being a good, you know, playing a good role in their families. But what's interesting is that more recently, parents seem very, very intent, very concerned with being good parents, wanting to spend a lot of quality time with their children. So all this meant was that even before the pandemic, parents were stretched thin. Um, surveys were showing that parents didn't feel like they were spending enough time with their children, even though they were spending, you know, a lot of quality time with their children, and that they were just struggling to balance their work demands and spending this quality time with their kids. And that was before the pandemic hit. And so when the pandemic hit and then parents had to take on a huge role in educating their children, 
caring for their children 24-7, um, in many cases without help from anyone else. It just took an already precarious situation and made it a hundred times more challenging. Uh, what drew you to researching parenting? Oh man, Laurel <laughs> may remember this differently, but um, it, it's actually because to me kind of funny that I, I seem to recall we were um, initially just kind of interested in, in the gender gap, which is this well-studied phenomenon about how women and men uh, approach politics in, in a variety of different ways. And oh, I, it was so long ago, but we, we were looking at some data. I was like, you know, let's just throw in this, are you a parent variable in here? Uh, back when I think when we started doing this, I was a pretty new parent and, and let's see what happens here. And I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of interesting. Um, and uh, I, I will say it kind of just went from there. Uh, I'm, I'm curious how Laurel remembers it. Yes, I think we were looking at the 2000 presidential election, in fact. So, um, and we we're trying to understand the gender gap in that election, which has been a continuous feature from 1980 to the present in every election. Um, but also we, are, we were curious because there'd been a lot of research about what people call adult socialization experiences, like what does uh, getting married or being religious or getting older, how does that shape your political attitudes? And there'd been a lot of research on some of these things, but nobody had really looked at how having and raising a child might affect your political attitudes, even though it seems pretty obvious that this is a hugely transformative adult political experience. And um, there's lots of reasons to think that once you have a child and you go through this process of raising a child, your, your, you know, your free time changes, your economic pressures change, who you socialize with changes. And it would make sense that it would have political implications as well. And that's what we began studying. And we found out that parenthood is indeed political. And, and I, I do want to throw in too, it, it's, it's one of these issues where it had become a media, I almost want to say trope about soccer moms. And then we had security moms and we had NASCAR dads. And this was all based on, uh, I want to say almost data-free theorizing um, and punditry. And we really wanted to kind of test some of this and, and, and put the actual data and meaningful empirical analysis to it and, and see how much of these, um, the, these kind of anecdotal ways of, of talking about politics really matched what we could find in more sophisticated analyses of the, the data that are out there. Did, did you initially believe in these tropes yourself before you started uh, the research? You know, it was, well, everybody's talking about soccer moms, but are soccer moms really a thing? Uh, which again, depending on how you define it, they are. But I, I think for example, like one of our interesting findings, and, and again, way back when we've been doing this so long, but I think maybe it was 2004, there was all this, maybe it was 2008, all this talk about NASCAR dads. And, you know, basically we found out that there's, there's just NASCAR men that, uh, that, that in terms of, you know, in, at that period, you weren't really seeing meaningful differences in, in the political attitudes of men who were fathers and men who weren't fathers. It was just largely a, a men are more politically conservative across a variety of these, these issues. So, you know, we thought that was valuable to, to push back against, um, you know, again, just kind of a, um, what I want to say, a, a simplistic analysis that in that case didn't even reflect the underlying reality. Yeah, and a lot of the media terms that they came up with, and I think a lot of the way um, 
the news media would talk about parents would be almost it, making this conservative assumption, like parents want to keep their children safe and parents are, you know, perhaps more conservative on these issues. You know, the idea is sort of like, you know, get married and you settle down and you just, you're, you know, you're worried about things. And what we found was the most consistent way that parenthood shapes political attitudes is that it actually makes mothers more supportive of a more expansive role of the federal government in terms of providing social welfare services. So it makes sense women who have children are more supportive of the government spending more on things like daycare and education. But beyond that, um, being a parent makes women in particular more supportive of the government spending more on you know, programs that help the needy, programs that help the elderly, just providing a more robust social welfare state. And in a way that makes a lot of sense because women are still doing the majority of the care work in our society, whether it's caring for children or caring for um, their elderly parents. Um, and so it sort of makes sense that when people become parents, especially women, they realize, wow, these programs like public education and government funded daycare and social security and healthcare for the elderly, these are all incredibly important programs that help women in particular as they try to care for their families. So the research is finding that just because you become a parent, you don't necessarily become more conservative. That's right. If anything, it's the opposite. So we have sort of argued like a more accurate name, maybe not as catchy, would be like social welfare moms or <laughs> moms, moms for more government or something like that. Um, so yeah, a That's lot of- That's actually really funny. <laughs> terms like soccer moms sort of have the opposite connotation. Okay, and I want to talk, I, I, we were initially kind of like going through a timeline, but we kind of like pivot away a little bit. So we come into the summer of 2020, and now kids are out of school because there is no school during their summer. What does that look like? Because there's not summer camp, there, there aren't so many activities. How does that type of parenting switch from a school year into the summer, but you're also still kind of in a pandemic, in a lockdown. Yeah, I mean, I will say personally, I found the summer perhaps the hardest time of the past year for that reason. They're just usually I would be continuing to work and my daughter would go to summer camp and she'd be having a great time and we had none of that. And it was really hard. Um, you just realize what an important role camps and daycare and schools play in the role of parents, not just in terms of allowing us to get our work done, but I also think in terms of providing structure for the day, providing social outlets for our kids, providing opportunities for kids to get exercise. Little kids don't just want to go out and go like jogging or something like, oh, hey, let's go to the gym for an hour. Like they get their exercise from playing with other kids. So when all that was shut down and public health experts were saying, don't hang out with people outside your family, I think that was just incredibly challenging, especially over the summer. So, and that's um, our research that we published recently was done based on survey data sort of at the end of summer. Well, I guess the beginning of the school year, the end of September. And we could tell in our data that, um, 
this was really hard on parents in terms of economics, in terms of their mental health, and in terms of their physical health. So we have, you know, that's sort of what we tried to do with our research is there would have been a lot of, you know, personally, we could talk about how hard this was. There was a lot of stories in the news media that were profiling different mothers, fathers, families, and how challenging things were for them. But Steve and I, of course, we've been researching this using national data sets for a long time. And so we really wanted to get our hands on national data, representative data, and see what was going on. And perhaps not surprisingly, we did find that parents were having a very hard time compared to non-parents um, in terms of their physical health, their mental health, and in terms of their economics. We'll be right back. Registering voters is hard work. The Democratic Voter Project is now selling shirts where you can register a new voter by scanning a QR code directly on the shirt. With this shirt, you can now register a voter anytime, anywhere. But that's not all. With every t-shirt purchased, you plant five trees. Purchase a shirt now at demvp.org shirt. Um, I, I was actually going to pivot a little bit to uh, starting to talk about some of the, the assistance from the government that we saw, such as this, the stimulus packages and probably how incredibly important um, those payments were for parents uh, from the 1400 to the 600 to you know the, the the initial 1200 what did that do for parents yeah I, I, that's a great question and I, and I don't think that we have done specifically the analysis that that could give the answer that that in one way I would like to as social scientists but on the other hand, you know, we can say that what our data found was that parents really were suffering more economically. Parents were the ones who were, who were saying, you know, I've taken a real financial hit uh, from this pandemic more than non-parents. Parents were more likely to have lost a job due to the pandemic. So I, I think we can be confident in saying that these financial benefits have been extra important to um to people raising families um, and, and surely a much, much needed lifeline, uh, especially for people who have had the additional financial stresses of, of raising children. Yeah, I would add on to that, that even before the pandemic, what are, you know, as we are gathering data about the family, um, one thing that was very clear is that families on the whole, so people who have children under 18 living in their households, were struggling economically more than other Americans anyway. And then as Steve says, you throw in the pandemic and the fact that parents were more likely than non-parents to have lost their jobs, to have said they've been negatively impacted during the pandemic, um, that this you know, is, is really important benefits. And it's also interesting because Steve and I have also looked at how parenthood has become politicized over time. And it's interesting that in like the 1960s, people sort of think of that the 50s and 60s is the heyday of the American family. Well, the parties and presidents and candidates hardly ever talked, used the words parents, families, children. It just didn't come up. 
But over time, um, these things have really become politicized. And if you look at speeches and party platforms, you realize that starting in the 1980s and then really increasing in the 90s and continuing to today, both parties talk about parents and families and how they're doing all these things to help American parents. And they're going to have tax cuts to help American families. And they're going to have increased environmental regulations and social security because these are important ways to value families. Um, but despite all that rhetoric, neither party had actually done much that was meaningful to help parents. If you look at what parents were saying they needed help with, if you look at what their position was financially. Um, and this recent COVID relief bill that was signed into law by President Biden is, I would argue, the first truly meaningful parent and family-friendly legislation that has been passed in decades. Parents need this money in order to support their children and to support their families. And this is gonna be really meaningful welcome relief. And I think we could call this truly pro-family policy. There, there were commentary on this recent stimulus package about it being one of the most, um, I guess, like instrumental packages in order to address poverty in, in decades. And I guess a huge portion of that has to deal with assisting families. What was it in this particular uh, piece of legislation that was so impactful for families? Well, I, I think it's just the things you were mentioning before, the fact that there's checks um, to families. And once again, this is just families were either getting um, checks sent to them and, and there's more relief ahead. I think that there's child um, credits that are going to start in July that people with children are going to get additional funds. And once again, no forms that you have to fill out. You don't have to have work requirements or all these other requirements that sometimes you have to get in order to get public assistance. This is just money that families are getting that they can use to pay the rent, that they can use to, you know, buy food for their families. Um, so I think those are some of the reasons it's particularly important. Um, and it's based on how many children you have and whether you have children. So it's just, um, it's really simple. And it's, uh, I mean, a lot of people are saying that they want to see this um, money based on children made permanent. It's just for one year. Right. Um, and we'll see if that happens. But it's a meaningful support, at least for one year. And, and I know you were referencing that there's been this uptick in, I guess, rhetoric that is kind of geared towards parents and there hasn't been a lot of legislation passed to really kind of support that. What more could the government do to support parents and families? Ooh, I, ideal is, is tough because there's, there's ideal and, and politically feasible, which are, are so right. far apart. Yep. But I, I mean, <laughs> I think, you know, we're in an environment where, and I mean, what our country does, um, it's failure to economically support working parents is just so pronounced, right? And and the needs there uh, in terms of more support for childcare for working parents, um, you know, our our lack of support for parental leave for new parents is uh, just it's it's abominable, uh, you know. So I, I think 
you know, right there um, are, are two really big obvious ones that, that again, I, I want to say when you look at almost the rest of modern democracies that manage to do this and do this effectively. So, you know, when people say, oh, well, we, we can't do that, that'll, that'll cost too much, or that'll bank, bankrupt businesses, or we won't, you know, again, you look across, I, I'm not just going to check down a list of countries, but across, right, like all the countries who would think of as our peer nations, and they manage to do these things to support parents and, and to suggest we can't um, is kind of ridiculous. And, and so, you know, that, that to me is, is the big thing of, of really kind of having those in place financial supports that, that very clear, robust uh, social safety net, social welfare support for parents and, and especially for the unique demands on working parents. I would agree with that 100%. I mean, parents were struggling pre the pandemic to figure out how to care for their kids and do their jobs. Um, and then with the pandemic, it's just um, gotten so much harder. And it's just amazing how there has just been so little help for parents. Like, how are you supposed to do your job while taking care of children 24 hours a day without, you know, getting help from other people with daycares closed, with schools closed, with camps closed. You're not supposed to be, you know, intermingling with other families. I mean, it is actually impossible. And so, um, but yet we haven't really grappled with it. And like parents have had to turn themselves into pretzels and just, trying to figure out how to make this work. And yeah, I think it's just taken all these fault lines that Steve talked about in terms of our lack of support for working parents, which most parents are working parents, um, made it super visible through this pandemic. You recently uh, wrote an article on the conversation and uh, it's, it's entitled, You're Not Imagining It, uh, Three Ways COVID-19 Has Been Extra Hard on American Parents. And you list these stats on how the pandemic is hitting parents harder than non-parents. Um, lost job due to COVID-19, 14% for parents compared to 9% for non-parents. Worst financial situation, 39% for parents compared to 28% for, for non-parents. Um, had COVID, 11%, that's, it's doubled uh, compared to 5% for non-parents. Um, re report feeling stressed, anxious, or depressed most days, 18% compared to 10% for non-parents. These are kind of scary, extreme numbers. Yeah, I think they, I mean, in some ways, they, considering Steve and I were sort of living through this, I don't think they surprised us. But I think you're right, they're serious and they're scary. Um, you know, I was always intrigued about the finding that parents were more likely to have come down with COVID. And I think that the reality that I was just talking about before is one of those reasons. Parents had to continue working so they could support their families, which almost by definition means they had to rely on other people to care for their children. Uh, even people who can work at home have found that it's close to impossible to actually do their job while taking care of their children 24-7. So you almost have to have your neighbors or family members or come up with some creative solution to get people to help you with your children. And everything that you do um, 
I mean, people say it takes a village to raise a child. It really sort of does. You do need people to help you. Um, and so, but that's one thing during normal times, but during a pandemic, it means exposing your family to risk. It means greater opportunity of getting COVID. So it may be that, you know, the situation parents are in where they have to work and they actually have to rely on others to help care for their kids, that they actually ended up being more vulnerable to getting COVID themselves. And of course, that's just one of many ways that COVID was harder on parents than non-parents. Yeah, and I, I just wanna briefly add um, that our analyses are done from a, a data set that was collected this past September. And you know that was only, that was what, less than halfway through the pandemic uh, at this point. So there, there's every reason to believe that these greater challenges that, that parents have faced have led to even uh, greater gaps in, in terms of how much they are, are suffering. And um, actually, hopefully we'll, we'll have some data on that in the future to, to look at. But um, I, I honestly would expect that, you know, what we see there has gotten even more pronounced. One thing I'm picking up on is that we are saying parents a lot. And I want to know how separate is that term from mothers? Yes, well, Steve and I have looked at this um, for a long time. We actually, um, you know, most surveys have this measure of parenthood where they're like, do you have a, a child under 18 living in your home? And, and that's how they measure parenthood. And, but Steve and I were like, parenthood is a lot more than that. It's like, who makes the healthcare appointments? Who plans the play dates? Who drives the kids around? Who worries about whether they got their homework done? Who's putting in all these care hours? Um, right. and so we actually did some research where we came up with a more um, dynamic measure of parenthood. And, and basically the result is any way you measure it, women are still doing a lot more parenting than men. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics, their time diary statistics show this as well. Women are spending at least twice as much time. And this is even when both parents are working. So women, it's still very gendered. Parenthood is still very gendered and women are doing more there's still expectations in society that women should be the nurturing person, that women should be more involved in the parent rearing. This has changed a little bit, but not as much as you would think, considering how big women's roles are in that most women are now working. And women expect that of themselves too. Uh, women really have mixed feelings about, you know, they're working, but they feel guilty about it because it's still part of them is thinking, Oh, would my kids be better if I had more time for them? Um, so we are seeing that now men have been doing more parenting too, and they express that they want to be more involved parents. So we have seen some changes, but women are still doing more of the parenting and that gender gap has persisted throughout the pandemic as well. Yeah, and, and I will add, you know, given that that's what we've largely been seeing that parenthood is just more say politically impactful on women than men through through our decades now of research, we were actually honestly surprised to see that there weren't those big gender differences we're used to seeing in our present research um, on, on the pandemic. And, you know, it was like, are, are we missing something here? Did I do these analyses wrong? Maybe, but I don't think so, uh, right? That went back and looked and it's like, no, really that, uh, you know, I think one of the interesting things here is maybe just how much the experience is impacting fathers as well as mothers, more so perhaps than, shall we say, some, some other political 
experiences um, in that this really was something uh, now, now I, again, obviously, I think so much as, as Laurel has nicely outlined really does in, impact women more. But uh, what we saw in our data here is was was interesting and noteworthy in, in our experience was how much fathers were impacted as well. And so one thing that might be going on, women are still doing more, but that um, the change in fathers from pre-pandemic to pandemic might be steeper. They're home with their children a lot more. They're being asked to do more. Still, women are doing more of the parenting, but um, it's been a big change in the lives of fathers as well. And we do see signs that it has been stressful for fathers as well. And in, in your recent paper, A Recipe for Madness, Parenthood in the Era of COVID-19, uh, you mentioned that, yeah, fathers have been similarly and negatively impacted by COVID and that they're also stepping up um, and, and, and doing more. When you say fathers are doing more work, what, what does that mean? Well, it means spending more quality time with their children. And quality time is usually like sort of measured at like, so you're not just in the house with your kids. Like you're in the house doing your thing and they're doing something, watching TV or something. Quality time would be like reading with your children, playing sports with your children, um, talking to your children about their day, helping your children with their homework. And so fathers are more involved and more of the nurturing. Fathers are doing more of the nurturing activities too, in terms of, you know, caring for their children when they're upset or they need to talk through problems. So fathers, all the research is showing that prior, you know, compared to previous generations, fathers are doing more of this and fathers want to be doing more of this. Um, but still mothers are doing even more. So um, that's one thing. Steve, you're, you're a dad. Do you want to add on to that? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it is funny because just my experience as a dad, and I, I, I would uh, objectively say, sure, like a really involved dad is, is to me is just noticing society's double standard. Like, you know, for, for me doing 80% as much as my wife does gets me, you know, 200% the credit, you know. Um, right. and, and again, this is, this is among a group, a, a peer group of, you know, upper middle income, college educated, graduate degree professionals who are among the most gender equitable people, right, uh, in, in society. So to see, you know, even with this, this baseline, how much, it's like, oh, that's so great that you do all that with your kids um, in a way that it's just like totally expected for all the women to, um, is, is kind of fascinating. And, and I want to say frustrating because of course we need to move past these attitudes to, to really make uh, progress. What has been some of the, I guess, most beneficial uh, aspects of, of this period as far as like family and, and home life? You know, I, again, so many families have been struggling in all these ways we have talked about. Um, but, you know, again, for my family, which fortunately has been largely insulated from the, uh, the financial impacts because of being able to have a nice stable job as a college professor, I've actually really enjoyed all the extra time um, with my family that the pandemic has brought. Um, man, yesterday, not so much, lots of yelling and fighting. But, um, you know, um, there are things that we as a family, I think will we'll continue past the pandemic when things that are more normal, way, ways we have learned to be with each other and things that we do that I think will have a lasting benefit. And certainly 
you know, I've talked to other families that um, have had had similar thoughts that, um, you know, that there really are positives uh, from honestly just <laughs> so much time uh, together. Right. And I, I like to end these conversations asking um, what's something that folks are hopeful about or hopeful for? Um, could you, you give me something quickly? <laughs> Well, I like to think that with the publication of our two recent research projects, which you just mentioned, that it at least allows parents to know they're not alone. That, you know, a lot of times parents, especially mothers, judge themselves. I'm not doing this well. This is so hard. I'm failing at everything. And what our research shows is that pandemic has been hard for parents across the board, and it's been hard in many different ways. So that might not solve anyone's problem, but at least you know it's not just you. It's not just that you aren't doing it right. This has been an incredibly hard time for parents, and so you're not alone. Yeah, I just want to really echo that because you know, in, in publishing this research, absolutely the most common response is, is how validating it is for people really to have that experience of like, no, it's it's really not just me. It's really not just my family, just how hard this is. And to know that it's a shared experience when we are living in a world with honestly less shared experiences. Um, and, I, and I think that's really valuable. I think this is incredible work. And I'm, I'm so grateful to have had um, two amazing experts on this on the show. Laurel, Steve, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on The Delve. 